Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And once you get there, turn back to John chapter 15. Galatians chapter 5, John chapter 15. Christ-like disciples. We have been looking at this topic for a number of weeks now. And we have understood that if we are going to be Christ-like disciples, we must be connected to Jesus. The classic passage on connectedness with Jesus is found here in John chapter 15. Where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I trust that this passage is starting to become part of your lives. Perhaps you're, you're reading it over and memorizing it a bit, becoming more familiar with it. Because as we do that, the Holy Spirit of God takes it and then guides us into the truth of the passage, part of his responsibility. I want to take the time to, to read this again. So you read silently with me as I read out loud this morning. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. We have looked at four qualities of Christ-likeness, connectedness to Christ. The first one is that we love one another. The second is that we invest in fruit. The third is that we keep his commandments. And you see from this passage that it's exclusive. We're either in the vine or we're not in the vine. I think it's important that we recognize whether you're connected to Christ or we're not. 
And the only way to get connected to Christ is to receive Jesus as our personal Savior. We're looking at investing in fruit. And it's important that we invest in fruit so that from our lives we might show forth our connectedness to Christ. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. And, and there we discovered the parable of the sower and the soils. And we, we looked at how it is the seed that works, the word of God that brings forth fruit from our lives. We also discovered that the seed must be planted in order to bring forth fruit. And in order for the fruit to be produced, it has to fall on good soil. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later this morning. But the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is discovered here in Galatians chapter 5. Turn there, will you please? Galatians chapter 5. You're familiar with this passage of Scripture. It's the passage of Scripture that identifies the fruit of the Spirit. I want to start with verse 16. And I want you to follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. And I will read down through verse 26. Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here in Galatians chapter 5, we have described for us the fruit of the Spirit. It's contrasted with the works of the flesh. And Paul tells us that if we are going to have the fruit of the Spirit, we must walk by the Spirit. So here's the big picture of this passage. If we want to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we must walk by the Spirit. If we want the evidence that we are Christ-like, if we want to prove that we are His disciples, if we want to show this connectedness, we must learn to walk by the Spirit. Now that's easy to say and hard to do. But yet God has given to you and to me all things that pertain to life and godliness. And God has empowered us with everything necessary 
so that we might show forth the fruit that he is growing in our lives because we are walking according to his spirit. I want you to underline in Galatians chapter 5 four words in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Now, I think it's important that we understand where we are in biblical chronology. In the Old Testament, God spoke to individual specific people. He spoke to Adam and to Eve. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Noah. And we discover that God clearly communicated his message to individuals about what he wanted them to do. But the Old Testament is not without an understanding about the Spirit. Because as God spoke to people, he told them what he wanted them to do. And as God sent his Spirit, he empowered them to do it. Now, the first time we find the Spirit mentioned in the Old Testament, we find it during creation. And the Spirit moved upon the waters. And the third person of the Trinity was used in a specific way to create the heavens and the earth. The next time that we find the, the Spirit mentioned is in the life of Joseph. You remember, Joseph was sold by his brothers into Egypt. And it was there that he was put through some trials. And yet his integrity was such that Pharaoh noticed him. And Pharaoh's testimony is, was that the Spirit of God was upon Joseph. There was something different about this young man. And God used him in a very special way, and God empowered him by his spirit to do what he was called to do. You may remember that God communicated to Moses that the people were to design and develop a place of worship. We call it the tabernacle. And as they developed this place of worship, God's Spirit came upon craftsmen to be able to design and develop the place that God could be seen and identified with and worshipped. Saul had the Spirit of God come upon him. I also remind you that Saul had the Spirit of God taken from him when he disobeyed God. Last time we find the Spirit of God used in the Old Testament is in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel, by the Spirit of God, communicated the message of God to, to exiles. And so we look into Old Testament economy, and we find God specifically talking to individuals the word of the Lord came, and it's interesting to, to follow that phrase throughout all of Old Testament. But God also empowered those people by his spirit to be able to perform what God had called them to do. 
Now we move into the New Testament, and in the New Testament we find his son. In the beginning, John 1.1 was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you discover the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life at the temptation. It was the Spirit who empowered Jesus through that time of trial. And it was the Spirit who comforted Jesus after that time of trial. Now we move very quickly through the Gospels and we get to John chapter 14, which is a familiar passage of Scripture. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Jesus is going away. This is the third time that he has told his disciples that he was going to leave. But this time he says, even though I'm going to leave, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to guide and direct you into truth. That Holy Spirit is going to bring things to your remembrance. That Holy Spirit is going to teach you what you need to know. We move into the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, we, re- we find these words, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost upon- has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. And we see that power evidenced in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. We also see that power evidenced in Acts chapter 10 when Peter preaches to the Gentiles. And we see it evidenced in Acts chapter 19 where the Jews and Gentiles become the body of Christ, a mystery, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says that the bodies of believers are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which means the Holy Spirit of God indwells you and indwells me. You see how much better we have it than Old Testament? You see how God's plan is to work in each of our lives with the ability to fulfill what he's called us to do? Because it's his Spirit who guides us, who directs us, who helps us understand, and who empowers us. And as a child of God, the Holy Spirit of God indwells in you. Amen? And the Holy Spirit of God gives to you and to me everything that is necessary for life and godliness. I hope that encourages you this morning. And so when we read Paul here in Galatians chapter 5, and he says, walk by the Spirit. This is not an unattainable goal. This is not something that's just for the pastors or the deacons or the spiritual giants of the church, whoever they may be. Paul is writing to you and to me as children of God, as saints of God, who have been indwelt by the Spirit of God. That it is the Spirit who is supposed to guide and direct even our steps. Now, five times in Scripture, we're told to walk by the Spirit. So this is not just a unique passage 
and you and I are to walk by the Spirit. Amen? Now, that's easier said than done. And we wonder, how in the world can I do that? Keep your finger here in Galatians chapter 5 and turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, will you please? Ephesians chapter 5. Look with me down at verse 18, and then we're going to look at the previous verses. Ephesians chapter 5. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence in Christ. Now, underline in verse 18, will you please? Be filled with the Spirit. And Paul uses an analogy. And he says, just as an intoxicated individual is controlled by the alcohol that he has consumed. Just like that, you and I are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Now, this does not give permission to drink alcohol. I'm kind of like President Trump. You may not know that President Trump does not consume alcohol. His brother was an alcoholic. And his position is, if I don't start it, I won't have to stop it. I think that's a good plan. But the comparison is, one who is completely overwhelmed with alcohol, and the Scripture says that's debauchery, that's wrong. And one who is completely consumed by the Spirit God, allowing God to direct and to empower and to provide all that's necessary for our lives. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul gives to us some ways that this is to happen. Look with me at verse 2 of chapter 5, will you please? And walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, this is not unfamiliar to you. We read in John chapter 15, greater love has no man than this. One of the ways that we evidence being filled with the Spirit is to walk in love. Some weeks ago, we went to 1 Corinthians 13 and found out what love was all about, right? And though I have the greatest speaking talent, which I don't, and though I give my body to be burned and all my goods to feed the poor, if it's not done with love, it means absolutely nothing. That's 1 Corinthians 13. 
Because love suffers long and it's kind. Fun envieth not. Love does not put itself forward, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, I'm going to use a Pastor Spencer phrase here. That'll never work. And you know, unless it is done under the authority of God, through the Spirit of God, it'll never work. You and I will never be able to walk in the kind of love that God describes unless it is the Spirit of God working through us. And may I just give you a glimpse of what's to come? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Walk in love. Not only are we to walk in love, but look down at verse 8 with me, will you please? For at one time you were darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The Scripture tells us that we are to let our light so shine before God that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Amen? Now, that's Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, salt of the earth, light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John chapter 8. And here Paul says, walk in light. Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And if we are to evidence walking by the Spirit, you and I must walk in light, following the one who is the light of the world. We are to walk in Jump down to verse 15, will you please? Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. We need to walk carefully. We need to walk carefully. Why? Because there are a lot of potholes out there. There are a lot of distractions out there. We'll talk about that in just a minute. There are a lot of enemies out there. And if you and I are not walking in love, if you and I are not walking in light, and if you and I aren't careful, we could very easily get caught up in the cultural standard of this world. You and I need to be careful. And the only way to accomplish this is to be filled by the Spirit. Right? Be filled with the Spirit. Not drunk with wine, but be filled by the Spirit. Controlled by, overwhelmed by, directed by the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, back to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. Again, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify. 
desires of the flesh. If we are going to walk by the Spirit, we must understand that it's going to be a war. There is a war that takes place between the flesh and the Spirit. And Paul here talks about three different ideas. Gratify, satisfy, fulfill, desires, lusts, drives, flesh, base, unregenerate part of our lives. You and I must recognize that we're either going to walk by the Spirit or we're going to gratify the desires of the flesh. Remember we said that being a Christ-like disciple was exclusive? We're either walking by the Spirit or we're gratifying the lusts of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. It, it's, it's exclusive, folks. This may... Connie and I are going to celebrate 46 years of marriage. You know, that's been an exclusive relationship for 46 years. Now, I don't say that to brag, but I say it to illustrate this. If it wasn't an exclusive relationship, it wouldn't have been much of a relationship. When we trusted Christ as personal Savior, we committed to Him our all because He committed to us His all. We sing it, don't we? King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary, right? King of my life, really? We either walk by the Spirit or we gratify the desires of the flesh. And it has to be exclusive. I think it's important that we recognize what Paul says here. And he says this, if we will do this, walk by the Spirit, we will not do that. Did you catch it? If we do this, we'll not do that. You can't do both. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, despise the other, cling to the one, get rid of the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't do it. And it's important that we understand, if I do this, I'm not doing that. Are you still in Galatians 5? If you have a Bible like mine, Look across the page to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. If you have to turn a page, turn a page. Or if you have to go to your Bible app and press Galatians chapter 6, do that, will you? Be not deceived, verse 7. God is not mocked. 
For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap life everlasting, eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those with household faith. See it? If we do this, we won't do that. But whatever we do do, we're going to get the results. It's sowing and reaping. It's fruit from our lives. We wonder why we're struggling with our Christian lives. Maybe it's because we're not exclusively walking by the Spirit. I said there was a war. Verse 17 of chapter 5. Turn back there. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep them from to keep you from doing the things you want to. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. You see the war that's going on? We are in a war, folks. We are in a war against Satan. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're in a war against the world. We're in a war against the flesh. Satan is those principalities, those rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. It's real. Hal Lindsey read a, wrote a book some years ago, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. He is the prince of the power of the air. Do not discount that. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. He's real. We live in a world that is full of cultural and social standards that are contrary to the word of God. It's a battle, folks. Try to live out Christian standards where you work. Try to live out Christian standards where you shop. Try to, li try to live out Christian standards wherever you go. It, it is, it's a battle. And then the flesh my humanness, my desire for social acceptedness. I'm not sure acceptedness is a real world word, but you understand what it means. Remember that old commercial, and it's old, I'd rather fight than switch? I won't remind you that it was a tobacco commercial. That's where we are, right? In, our, in ourselves! Our humanness, it is a battle, and it's evidenced in our own lives. May I remind you of Matthew chapter 13 and the soils? The pathway. Scripture says that it's Satan that snatches the seed and takes it away. He's the stony soil in our own hearts, tribulation and rejection in our lives, and the thorn-filled soil, deceitfulness of riches. Do you find that in your life? 
If that's in your life as it is in my life, it's going to be a struggle for the seed of the word of God to bring forth fruit. And the only way to conquer that is to walk by the Spirit. Only way. Lord, help our unbelief. That'll never work. I can't do that. Because the Holy Spirit of God indwells you, just as he indwells me. The spirit of power is inside me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Now, we're going to not look at it this week, but I want you to see in verses 19 and 20, 21, the evidence of the works of the flesh. There are 15 that are identified here, and they're in three categories. We'll look at them next week. Categories are immorality. Categories are idolatry. Categories are injured relationships. That's the works of the flesh. That'll never work. As I was thinking and praying about this message, my mind went to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says this, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You ever struggle with anybody? You ever say, well, we'll patch it up, but it'll never be like it was? Let me tell you something. If that is a Christ-like attitude, what makes us think that when we patch up our relationship with God, it's like it never was? (laughs) Even as God, aren't you thankful that God doesn't say, well, it's never going to be like it was. And yet, as Christ-like disciples, we are too. Now, that's work. That's hard. It's a battle. It's tough. And the only way to do that is walk by the Spirit. That's it. So how do we win the battle? We're fighting it. How do we win the war? Number one, know your enemy. Know your enemy. Is your enemy Satan? Is it the world? Is it the devil? Is it the flesh? Is it our culture? What is your enemy? What are you really fighting against? Know your enemy. Number two. Understand, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? That's good news. That is good news. I don't care what's out there. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Number three, put on the armor of God. And use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word. 
See, here's the deal. If you want to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life and mine, we must walk by the Spirit. Abide in me, and I in you, and bring forth fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 